to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Amy Renee Dills, and she is going to be fabulous today. She has an incredible background where she persevered, especially if any of you have been pregnant while trying to get into real estate, um, getting into all this, learning everything from the ground up. She is incredible. So I'm super excited to hear and share her story with you all today. So welcome to the show, Amy. How are you doing? Thank you. I am so good. Thanks for having me. So Amy, can you share with us a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Yes, actually, I kind of got into real estate without planning on it. It (laughs) It's funny that you said, uh, you mentioned my daughter because she's on the floor right here. (laughs) Like trying to focus and like do a good job, but that's just sort of how it goes. I got into real estate because of this dear child who is sneaking around on the floor right here. So I found myself pregnant with my first child. Honey, please don't. We gotta go. (laughs) Um, This was back in 2010. And I was living in a cute apartment in the city and it was so expensive and I didn't have insurance and I didn't know what I was doing. And I just sort of started following the things which were like, you need to buy a house. You have babies in a house. And at the time... Obama was offering a tax credit for first-time home buyers. So I didn't have insurance, so I could not pay for the birth of my child. So I decided to buy a house because I needed a house and then amend my tax return to pay for the birth of that child. And that was really how I got into real estate, even though I didn't know I was getting into real estate at the time. So I moved in, I bought the house, moved in, had a baby, and then was like, oh, I need to fix this house up because it's gross because I was like just out of college and didn't qualify for much. And so I started fixing up the house before I knew there was like podcasts and stuff, the DIY network, whatever you can watch on TV and like learn how to do this stuff. I just started, started scrapping at it and it felt like really good. Like I really liked it. And so then as I got a little bit further into things, I uh, read some books and the first one I read was Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey told me I needed to get a second job. So as I was doing my budget and figuring things out, I was like, I'm going to be a real estate agent. That was just like kind of how it all started. It's been a kind of a whirlwind and we are celebrating my brokerage's first birthday this week. Congratulations. Fifth birthday. We're five years old now. (laughs) That is incredible because especially as a first time mom and trying to figure out all the ins and outs of how are you going to provide for your kid? Where are you guys going to live? And like the maintenance behind it and trying to fix up the place, like a safe and clean environment for them to live in and trying to figure out all of this on your own. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of things that you're having to think about and put all together all at one time. Yeah. Like that house had lead-based paint, which at the time was a thing. I mean, I feel like you talk about that in real estate transactions now, but at the time there was a HUD paid me for a thousand dollars to like abate lead-based paint, which was cool. So there were a lot of really interesting opportunities because it was kind of a gross house at the time. So it'll be interesting to see how things change as our market is shifting now, if we start seeing the return of any of those kinds of things. I bought that first house on an FHA 203K loan, which like nobody does anymore now too. So 
when you bought that first house, what resources did you have to utilize to kind of educate yourself on how you were going to figure out all your financials using this strategy? You guys, I had zero dollars, like zero dollars. I was just out of college. I had no anything. I was literally like, I need to buy a house. And this was like, Zillow was a thing, but not like it is now. And I remember like sort of looking things up on the internet and then like some real estate agent would like call me and then I would go see a house and they would be like, what are you doing here? I didn't know about like getting pre-approved. I had like, it was seriously a complete cluster. Looking back, I have no idea how I even got through it, but I just kept following and following. So the agent I ended up buying the house with had a mortgage person that they referred me to, which nowadays I'm always like, dude, here are several different mortgage people. And here are the conversations you should have with them and the questions you should ask and how it should feel. Where when I was in in that seat, they were like, here, you have to go meet with this person an hour south from where you are right now, or you can't buy a house. And then I would just show up and kind of like cry while they were telling me what I needed to do and why I didn't have enough money. It was really very like, I was in this cloud, just sort of following things. So as I've kind of started working with buyers and sellers way back then. And even as I teach agents how to work with buyers and sellers now, I focus really strongly on that kind of education piece and setting expectations. Like, here's what it's like to buy a house. Here's what it's like to get a mortgage. Here are the things you should know and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, not fun. <laughs> so a lot of times, especially when you're getting started and you it sounded like, because you had zero experience and you're just following along on and just trying to take one step at a time. But it sounded like you still had the courage and still the confidence to be able to move forward, to be able to close on that first house for you and your daughter. And so how did you, I guess, like as you were looking at everything and you were meeting with different mortgage brokers, you're going more and more to this process. Why did you continue down this path and not stray away and decide to, hey, this is not for me. I'm just going to do something else instead. I'm just going to rent or or figure out some other option. But why did you guys decide that this is what you needed to do? I am not really a good quitter. <laughs> like actually, I'm kind of a bad quitter. And I shouldn't say that because now I now I have kind of a different outlook. But when I say I'm going to do something, it's going to get done. Like it just is. So if I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to go buy a house. There's no veering off the path. It might not be this house or that house. It might turn out some other way. But like if we're doing something, we're doing something. And that has kind of been the pattern through all of real estate. So after you found Dave Ramsey's book and he said, get a second job, what did you do from there to get that next job? And what were some of the different options that you had looked at before settling on what you decided to do? I don't usually look at options. (laughs) You know, like some people are like, here are the pros and here are my options. And here's the research I did on the internet. I'm like really, really bad at that. I always kind of like, I think I like cook stuff in my brain a little bit. And then all of a sudden it clicks and then I'm running. I'm kind of off to the races. So I remember the first time I did a budget, I was like laying on the ground. My daughter's climbing all over me. She was a little baby. I had my little notebook out. And I was like looking up my, here's what my mortgage payment is adding up. Here's much my groceries are. And I was like, whoa, this math is not going to work because I was in grad school. So I have my master's in human nutrition and I did nutrition education and nutrition coaching like one-on-one. And then I was like, okay, well, this is never going to pay my bills. So that's not cool. And I had to live in that house for three years in order to not have to repay that $8,000 credit. So I lived there for three years as I was selling that house. 
I was shopping for a new house, which I ultimately did not go right into a new house. I went into a rental, but I I was seeing houses with real estate agents and they were terrible, like so bad. I'm sure we've all had this experience, right? But what I find is when someone tells me I can't do something, it's usually like pretty great motivator to go to the next thing. So I was in this disgusting house, really disgusting actually. And the real estate agent was telling me that I wasn't going to be able to get a loan and no bank would give me money to rehab it and whatever. And I just, I literally went home and I signed up to get my real estate license because I was like, if this doofus can do this job, so can I. And I got my real estate license solely to be able to buy another house my own self and not have to do with real estate agents. Little did I know that becoming a real estate agent makes you have to kind of deal with a lot of real estate agents. So I eventually got into another house, which was another kind of live-in flip situation. But during the whole process of becoming a real estate agent and starting to work with people, I really figured out like there's kind of a low barrier to entry. And if you can answer your phone and be nice and follow up and like learn stuff that isn't necessarily the way people have been doing things for the last 25 years you can be successful. And I've kind of kept that attitude. So I try to look at non-real estate specific resources um, when I'm learning, like what's just like good business practice or or what what's going on in the business world or the technology world or the social world that I can apply to how I'm running my business in real estate, whether it's sales or investing. So when you got in first and you got your real estate license, and you were doing your first couple of deals, what was the biggest challenge that you had to face while doing that? And then at what point in your real estate career did you start to expand and start to grow? That's actually a good question. I feel like I have words for this now, which is like about being in alignment, right? Because before before I was just kind of following, I wasn't like thinking about what I was doing. I was like, oh, someone wants to buy a house. Right, cool. Let's go look at houses, right? Just kind of like following that. But looking back, I can see that like I was in alignment with being a successful real estate agent. And so every choice that I made was kind of putting me in the direction I need to go. So if I'm asking what were the challenges, I I really don't think there were any specific challenges and any challenges that I had were like not insurmountable because I was in alignment. I feel like the challenges came a little bit later once I hit my initial goal, because when I got my real estate license, I was like, I had a bunch of student loans. So I think $50,000 or something like that in student loans. And I was like, dude, I do not want these. So I made the goal to pay those off in a year and I paid them off in a year and a half. So that felt really good. And then once I got there, I had arrived in a place where like I had stable housing. I was making way more money than I'd ever made. I was learning about real estate investing so I could offset the taxes that I had to pay on my newfound income. And that's where those challenges started to come up because I was sort of like, okay, I'm home every day after school and my kids get off the bus. I have a nice house in the suburbs. I have enough money that if I want to do something or buy something, it's like not stressful. Like now, what do I want to do with myself? And that was where I feel like the first like kind of major challenges came in. So you talked about student debt, which I think resonates with a lot of people listening out there as well. It might not just be student debt, but just debt in general. So you had set out that you're going to pay off that debt first in the first year, but you were able to you were able to um, be able to pay it off pretty quickly. Was it all just Mm -hmm. through selling and making the profits of those houses, or like what were the things that you did to quickly pay off that debt? I just 
continued living like a college kid as I was making money in real estate, which I didn't, I mean, I still don't feel like I'm a particularly extravagant person. I like spending a lot of money on things that I know are going to give me a return. So after I sold that very first house, I got a check for like $12,000 or $13,000. And it was the most money I ever saw ever. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I just literally sent it over to Sally Mae and it was heartbreaking. It was like, <laughs> oh, that's stupid. Um, so as I started closing more transactions, that was what I did. I paid off all my credit card debt, student student loan debt, all of it. I was just like, this is where the money's going. And so I just did the whole, I don't know what he, he calls it, that snowball, right? I followed his plan. I didn't do envelopes because I'm like, not, it's not for me, but it was like pay off the biggest debt first or the smallest debt first and then the whatever. And so I just did that and it felt amazing actually. And so after you had paid off that student loan debt, and then you started looking at your budgeting and your finances, and then now you're saying you're looking at it and you're like, oh, I'm making a better return. I have this extra additional disposable income that I can either spend it or I can invest in it. What were some of the other things that you looked at that you took your active income from your real estate active income and then taking that? And then what did you decide to do with the extra income that you have now? Okay. I love that question because you're like assuming that I made thoughts and I planned (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. Um, it was again, kind of that like sort of path of alignment. Like after I got there, my pain point was I had to pay more in taxes than I made in income as a licensed nutritionist. And so I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, I hated it. And so then I started reading books that were like, okay, well, if you invest in real estate and you're a real estate professional, there are like a lot of advantages. And there was a certain amount of time that was like information gathering, which I think everybody needs that period of time. And so I was reading books. I was listening to podcasts. It was, uh, honestly, as an agent, I was working with a lot of investors. And so it was fun to kind of tag along for their process. Like, oh, you're buying a flip house. Oh, how much do you think you can sell this for? You know, and I would help them establish ARV. And then I would go list it on the back end. And I'd be like, dudes, how much did you put into your, your rehab on this? And then I would see obviously their profits at the end. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can like definitely do this. <laughs> and I remember there was like a day I had been, I had just had my son who is much younger than my daughter. So this is 2017, 2016 or 2017. And I'd been home all day. And I think my husband got home and I handed him the baby. And I was like, I got to go look at some properties. I need to, I need to buy some real estate today. And I remember I went and looked at like three or four townhouses and I saw the first one and I was in there. And you know, like when your heart gets all like, what are we doing? <laughs> so I knew the one was the one. And I like went home and did my math. And then I like wrote my own offer for my own self for the first time for a house that I wasn't going to live in. And I sent it off. And I remember the real estate agent called me that night. It was pretty late. And I was nursing my son in the dark in the bed. And it, after I got off the phone with him and I was like, okay, I guess I just like bought a house that I'm like, not going to live in. I guess I'm putting my money where my mouth is right now. Did not sleep that entire night. I literally woke up in the dark in the middle of the night and like drew a kitchen. <laughs> Cause it made me feel like I was doing something. And that was kind of the off to the races. So the investing has always been like, okay, how can I learn more about this thing that I don't know. So the first one was a rental property that needed some rehab. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about hiring people. I don't know how long things take. I don't want to get ripped off. So I was like, well, I'm in a DIY. I know how to DIY. 
So I gave myself a tiny budget and I figured out, okay, how can I do this? It's like 1200 square feet. How can I do this whole place in a short amount of time for $15,000 and then get it rented out and went through that whole process. And I learned a ton. I learned a ton. It was really great. How long did you say that time period was for that first rehab that you did? Uh, Six weeks. Six weeks. I try to only do rehabs in six weeks. Anything longer than that is nuts. I know people do them in longer than that, but I just don't understand. It's so much emotional energy to have projects going on that like longer than that just feels like, hey. And so for that one there, when you put the down payment for it, was it just through your own savings that you had put it down? And then just down conventional conventional loan. loan. And then, yeah. And I funded the rehab on, I think I got like a personal line of credit and I just extended the credit to myself and uh, paid for it. And then once I got tenants in, I let their rent pay off that line of credit first. And it paid off, their rent paid off the line of credit in a year, I think, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And so after that, it was like, okay, this isn't stressful. And now it's just like paying money every month. That's awesome. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So for the rehab budget, did you stay within budget or did you end up going over yeah. or under? Mm, it was about 500 bucks, give or take, either That's direction. So it's very good yeah. within the six weeks for the first rehab. Yeah. I like almost cut my finger off. I like learned about (laughs) wearing gloves and like, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So you found a tenant after that one there. And so now this was a long-term tenant that you had put into place. Mm -hmm. And then after that long-term tenant, after that first one there, what did you do afterward? I always feel like I need a little break after I do a project. And actually that's what I love about real estate investing is it's like, okay, it's this kind of like hard push. Like I'm going to do this thing for like a couple of months. And then I just kind of chill, right? So then I sold some houses. I started the brokerage in 2017. So after that one was done, I was probably sitting in broker classes. So I opened my own brokerage. And most of my other investments that I have done have come out of my real estate agent business. So in the fall of following year, somebody who I had sold a house to was like, hey, my so-and-so is selling their mom's house. Do you want to come and take a look? And I remember having that same kind of bubbly feeling when I was there, I was like, Oh, this is like a grandma house. (laughs) I love grandma houses. And I'm in there trying to tell them like, okay, well, if we were going to put it on the market without doing any work, here's what you would get for it. Probably an investor is going to buy this property and here's what they would offer you. Here's what that would look like. If you get a real buyer coming in here, here's probably what they would offer you and what that process was looking like. And I was like, in honesty, I'll buy it for this much today if you just want to do that. And she just stuck her hand out and like shook my hand and was like, okay, you have a deal. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) And it was kind of the same thing where I was just like, okay, let's figure this out. So I went Mm -hmm. and got a hard money loan on that one. 
I did all the math. I actually ended up getting my general contractor license for that one because I wanted to be able to control the flow of money from the hard money loan and had intended to hire a general contractor to do it. And I hired this guy and he just like completely flaked because he was like, oh, well, I have big fancy jobs. And I was like, okay, well, I am big and fancy. So I'll just figure this out. And I hired a couple of people to help me with that. My husband and I did, you know, a lot of the demo and that kind of stuff. And we just kind of like hired some people and didn't hire some other people. And again, did the project in about six weeks, put it on the market and sold it. And that was my first official flip project, which I loved. And that one was like a little bit more stressful because I had some new real estate agents who I had just hired and I was like trying to train them and like build this brokerage. And I Mm -hmm. realized that like, if I'm putting all this energy into this flip project and trying to grow this business, something kind of has to give. I can't be a hundred percent at both of them at once. And so that was where I started kind of learning the leverage game, which has been the theme of my investing and business for the last couple of years is like, okay, DIY is great. It's super fun. And it has a time and a place. And then it's time to go to like, who's the person who's so good at this and how do I get them to do the project? And then how do I communicate clearly so they can understand what we're trying to accomplish and all that kind of stuff. For the hard money loan, when you did that next fix and flip one there, what were the rates that you were... Did you end up getting on for that hard money loan? And after you had sold it, did you still end up making a pretty good spread off of that sell of that fix and flip? Yeah. I just put the interest for a hard money loan as a line item in the budget. So you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to use hard money because it's expensive. But like, I feel like the opportunity cost of not using hard money is also expensive, right? So I think I left that deal with, I don't know, 40 or $50,000, which like, yeah, I paid some interest, but like, who cares, (laughs) right? At that time, that was, you know, a pretty good, I mean, you think even, especially in today's market, 40 grand and a flip is probably a pretty good flip these days. So yeah, I just think, I think it was 12 or 14% and some points. And I think that was one of those where you go to closing with 5,000 and you leave with 9,000 and Mm of your first draw. It was like hard money has always done me well, even though it's expensive. So I will never, ever be like, Oh, I don't want to do this because the interest is high. I think as long as it works in your math, like it's cool, do hard money. So when you're looking for a hard money loan, what are the terms that you have to have that makes it a good deal for you versus something that you would be like, Oh no, I'm not going to go with this hard money loan. I'm going to find a different opportunity or an option. Yeah, I think hard money works best at lower price points just because those holding costs get high. Like if I, I don't know, I was going to say if I was going to do a flip right now, I'd really want to do a high-end flip, but like (laughs) I would do a flip if you follow me that probably, but I do like the higher end stuff because it's more fun, but I've never been able to make hard money work with the higher end simply because those holding costs get to be like three to $6,000 a month, which really eats away your budget. If you're doing something in, you know, 200 grand type range, you're only paying a thousand or 2000 a month. And you can just take that off of your draws that are coming in every month. So you're like paying them their own money back to them basically. So I always look at that 70% of after repaired value. I think that's the first good rule of thumb. And then I try to figure my rehab costs. Now rehab costs used to be a lot easier to figure. I am getting sticker shock all the time right now. I'm doing some new construction I'm doing two new construction projects right now. And the cost of things is 
actually shocking. (laughs) So I think that's one to spend, especially if you're trying to do hard money, like right now is Mm -hmm. spend some time actually talking to contractors and working those relationships and getting real live bids. Not just like, how much do you think it would cost if I wanted to, right? Because it's actually shocking. At any point as you were building up your brokerage, you're building up your real estate side of things. At any point, was there a time where things didn't go as planned or um, something went completely wrong? <laughs> um, maybe this is the theme of our, of our project here. I don't actually have a plan usually. <laughs> <laughs> I usually get an idea and then I follow the little steps that arrive. I do not believe that you have to have it all figured out to do something. Like I literally started my brokerage because the broker that I hung my license with originally didn't have direct deposit. And I had to drive an hour to drop off my check after closing. And then I had to drive an hour a couple of days later to pick up my check. And that was it. I was like, this is annoying. If I have a brokerage, I'll just cash my own checks and it's fine. But then it's sort of, okay, what's the next step? Oh, people started calling me and saying, Hey, it looks like you did a pretty good job as a real estate agent. I'd like to learn that. Can you show me how to do Right. And then I was like, oh, okay. How do you be a real estate agent? How do you teach people how to do this? Right. So then we we jump on zoom and make videos and like, then we put the recordings in and we built a course and then we started meeting to do training, you know? So it's always just sort of been like, what do we need next? Okay, cool. What are my options for getting that thing that I need next? Let's figure that out. No, fantastic. I think it sounds like you're really good at pivoting, especially when things come about and like looking at being really resourceful with the information that you have on hand and making a plan as you go and taking a look at everything and utilizing the opportunities that are around you. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that I don't have meltdowns. I actually have like regular meltdowns. Maybe that's what you're getting at. But I think melting down, (laughs) like giving myself an opportunity to just like cry in a heap on the floor usually results in like more alignment once I'm done with it. Like why am I melting down? It's probably because I'm trying to force something where it doesn't need to be, where if I just shift a little tiny bit, like, oh, it's easy again. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Right. So how did you manage your time? Especially you're going to school, you had a newborn with you, you're building up your business at the same time, especially during that busy time frame where you didn't have much time and a lot of spare or extra time at all in your life. How did you manage all of these things within your life? I don't manage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Remember what I just said about crying in a heap on the floor? Mm -hmm. No, it's been interesting. There's a lot of things I've, I've done wrong, right? Like when I first started as a real estate agent, people would tell me you need to have boundaries and you need to set a schedule and you need to say no to people. And I was like, no, I do not. I need to go sell this house, even though it's nine o'clock at night in a sketchy neighborhood and it's dark out. Do I recommend that to my agents when I bring them on now? No, I tell them you do not show houses at nine o'clock at night ever. I don't care if they're your best friends. We're not going, right? So some things I did learn the hard way, right? And experience burnout and all that kind of stuff. I've had lots of coaches over the years. I remember one of my first coaches encouraging me to create a schedule for myself, which I was very resistant to because real estate is a reactive business. And if I'm not reacting to it, then I won't get business. That's wrong. (laughs) So I am a really big fan of doing a block schedule and creating rules. And I don't really like rules that much, but rules actually give you comfort. And especially if I created the rules, I get to decide when I break them. So (laughs) I punch my time into like little themes, right? So if I know, okay, I'm not getting enough time in front of my computer. I know I need to have 
two whole days or two half days. And I also know like, I'm only going to make in front of my computer for like two hours before my brain starts melting. So let's not make those that big of chunks. And like going to the gym is a priority to me. Hanging out with my kids for a little while is a priority to me. I know I'm worthless after seven o'clock at night. So if anyone wants to talk to me, then sorry, you can talk to me tomorrow morning. Right. So just like kind of creating those rules of like when I'm allowed to do certain tasks and then respecting them most of the time. Right. So like try to take Sundays off to do laundry. That's dumb. But like you actually need a day where you're not like driving around all the time. So what are you looking forward to in the upcoming future here? I'm doing a really fun project, which I am looking forward to the most. Can I tell you about my big project? Yes. Actually, I'm doing a couple of big projects. But the most exciting project that I'm doing is I am building a hotel. I'm building a hotel. Ground up, new construction. I bought some land. I've been working on this for like over a year now. It's very exciting. There's been lots of learning. I have spent a lot of money (laughs) that I... I don't know, didn't have whatever, but like, who cares? Cause it's a cool project, but I've officially opened fund it now. And I am building a 36 unit boutique hotel with a traditional Nordic sauna spa and a tap room in a small river town in Minnesota. And it's very exciting. So we are going to close in September and start building sometime this winter. And it should be done next year to open. It's really cool. Wow. That is very exciting. That sounds amazing to be able to, especially take your family to to a place that you guys completely built up from the ground up. Right. I know it's going to be so... I feel like the hotel world, at least where we are, is like gross roadside motels or like an outdated holiday inn from who knows when. And I don't want to stay there and I don't want to go there. So I really wanted to make a place that I'd be like, oh yeah, let's go there. Let's just go chill out there. It's so cool. And the location is so beautiful. It's like on a river. So people are always there doing kayaking, rock climbing, hiking, all that kind of stuff. And then in the winter there's ski and snowboard. So it's kind of like a nice compliment to our sauna that we're going to have. So people can come and use that and stay in the hotel and then go watch their kids ski race. It's going to be like super awesome. Why did you decide the hotel space? Again, because someone told me, no, (laughs) there is a I've been calling it a murder motel. I don't know if anyone got murdered there or not, but like one of those kind of motels that you're like, in this town. And we're also building a house in this area. So as we're driving back and forth, buying some land, I kept noticing this little sketchy motel and thinking like, I think I gotta have that. (laughs) And I cold texted the owner and I was like, Hey man, let me buy your motel. And he was like, okay. And so I went out and he showed me around and he's kind of an old slumlordy type dude not super great. There's like junk everywhere. He's planning on like opening the place with the same beds from 1979, which are yucky. And so I offered him like 500 grand for it, which is way too much. Like it's too much. And he was like, okay, bye, sweetheart. Like you, he thinks it's worth like three times that. And so I can offer it to him. So I was in the city trying to like, see what I could find out about the property. They handed me this like paper file folder with like moldy coffee stains in there for me to like look through the property history. And they had a a little Uncle Sam finger pointy poster that said they had land for a dollar. And I was like, oh yeah, man, let's just get some of this land for a dollar. Well, the lot that I ended up buying is not a dollar. It's a little more than a dollar, but it was great location, commercial real estate. And I was like, oh, I'll just build a hotel. And then it was again, these kind of moments of alignment where I was like, oh, could I just build a hotel? Then I called 
an architect that I knew. And I was like, Hey guys, if I were to like build a hotel, could you like design that for me? And then we're like, yeah, we like could. (laughs) And it kind of has been this kind of snowball thing where I'm like, Hey, I'm building a hotel. And then people have arrived. So my partner who runs a sauna company, I met him while I was in his sauna and I was like, Hey, I'm building a hotel. And he was like, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. You know? And it's really just kind of come together in a really beautiful way. We've got a, an amazing operator who's going to run the place once it's open. And it's just kind of like, no, I do not know how to build a hotel. But so far, I've been able to kind of follow those little breadcrumbs to see what the next couple steps are and figure things out. And it's been really a great learning experience. And I think it's going to be an amazing opportunity for investors too. Oh man, that's super exciting. Can't wait to see the finished product next year. Yeah, it's going to be so cute. So Amy, how has real estate investing impacted your life? I would say it's like one of the single most impactful things that has happened to me, or I guess I chose to participate in. I think I went to, when I was in undergrad, I took a lot of psychology classes and they talked about self-actualization, right? So it's sort of this, like you have your basic needs, food, water, shelter, and then there's like, you know, whatever. And like the top of the pyramid is self-actualization where you like know who you are and you're autonomous and you've experienced mastery and real estate has been the vehicle for me to get to self-actualization. I'm not saying I'm self-actualized, but like, I don't have it all figured out, but it has been the thing that has continuously given me new opportunities for learning and growth and really to kind of figure out who am I and what do I want to do with myself? And like also kind of go down that path of like, well, if we lost it all and we had to live in a cardboard box on the side of the road, like I know that I could like build anything, right? Like it's really been amazing. I know how to do sales. I know how to communicate with people. I know how markets work. Like it's been amazing. Actually, real estate's the best. And if there was a one thing that you knew now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? I don't know that I can answer that one because I'm not good at learning lessons until it's time for me to learn those lessons. So I think all the experiences that I had were really helpful in driving home the the learning that I needed to get. But I think I would have dealt with some of those fears sooner than later, right? Like there's certainly been periods of time where I have succumbed to community fears or worldwide fears or, you know, what's going to happen, right? Like during COVID, I was like, maybe I'll just get a job at Amazon. Like I started the application before I was like, what am I doing? I can't be working at Amazon. I'll be so impatient. I'll be really bad. Right. So like kind of realizing that when fear is coming, it's actually an opportunity for me to grow or shift or pivot versus stop. And there've been a number of times where I let fear stop me. So now I don't because who cares? And if there's one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate, what would that be? Do something every day. You can't just be like, oh yeah, I did real estate one time. It's the same as the gym. You can't just be like, oh, I went to the gym. Now I'm in shape. (laughs) You got to earn it every day. So whether it's investing or being an agent or working on a project or doing a development or anything, you have to do something every day. It does not have to be nine hours a day. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's a two minute phone call. It doesn't matter, but you need to work on it every single day. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. I mean, it's so exciting the different projects that you're going to be working on, how far you'll be able to see it from start to finish, especially and seeing, and especially being able to show your kids what you've been able to build from the ground up. I think that's going to be super exciting for them to be able to see all that and enjoy it as well. 
Yeah, it's going to be really fun. <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you for having me. So for our listeners out there who also want to learn more about you and what you're doing, where's the best place that they can go to find out more? You can find me on Instagram. It's Amy, A-M-Y underscore Renee, R-A-N-A-E. So give me a follow and I post all my projects on there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.